from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's the 9 p.m. hour. We've got a lot of great stuff to get to, so why don't we just jump into it? I saw this, and it still is just getting under my blood. That's not the saying. Is it getting under my skin? It's boiling my blood? What is the saying? I think it's boiling my blood. It's getting under my skin, and it's boiling my blood. In any case. All right, listen to this. Chris Sullivan had this story, and this drove me nuts. So there was this legislation, and we need to back up just a little bit so you guys, I can tell you guys the whole story of how we got here. All right, so, and again, Chris Sullivan has this great story. Go check it out on MyNorthwest.com if you get a chance. But you guys remember that tire ban story we talked about? So last week, uh, this is in Chris's story, we reported on the Washington State House of Representatives bill, which would allow the Washington State Department of Commerce to ban affordable and durable replacement tires under the umbrella of helping to fight climate change. So there was a huge public outcry. Like I can tell you just on our website here, people clicking on the story, it was by far and away the number one story that anybody seemed to care about. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people were reading the story. They were sharing it. They were outraged. I don't know a single person that I talked to about this who said to themselves, yeah, that'd be great. I would love if the Washington State Department of Commerce stepped in and told me which tires I was allowed to buy. Like a small child is being told which kind of food they can eat or if they can have a snack. Asking mommy and daddy. All right, so listen to this. Huge outcry. Everybody hated it. Unanimously, everybody hated it. So the bill received a committee hearing. And when it goes into this committee hearing, everybody, I guess, decides, yeah, this is not good. People don't like this. No support. So the bill goes away, which is great. Because when bad ideas die, that's a good thing. But, and this is from Chris's article. I love how he words this. But like the mythical Phoenix, Senator Marco Leas, Democrat from Edmonds, was able to resurrect the ban from the ashes and sneak it into a seemingly unrelated bill known as Bill 6304, which is on electric vehicles and get it passed out of his committee. So it goes into a committee. Everybody says, no, this is a bad idea. Let's not pass this. We think it dies. And then this Senator Marco Leas from Edmonds, he says, actually, I'm going to figure out a way to get it out. Which means that this thing is now going to be out there. No public hearing. No public comment. All of this was done behind closed doors in an executive session. Now, Chris reminds us of what this bill's intention was. And this is the part that had people's, had people's hackles up, as they like to say. It would require that any replacement tires sold in our state meet yet-to-be-determined fuel efficiency standards based on their rolling resistance. So the window would just be left open for down the road, some lawmaker to decide what kind of tire that you can buy. And when they talk about rolling resistance, what they mean there is how much friction that the tire creates on the road. So imagine you are driving down the road and you're driving on some bald tires because maybe you haven't changed your tires quick enough. If they're bald you're not getting very good traction. But 
that actually would make them a better measure of rolling resistance, even though they're horrible for you to drive on. So you don't have any friction on your tires, but probably they're better for the environment because there's not much rubber there. That's how they gauge friction and uh, rolling resistance. That's how they gauge it with tires. So it would likely eliminate the most affordable and the most durable tires currently available. So imagine you go into Les Schwab, like I love to do. I love going into Les Schwab. I don't know why. I think it's because, here's what I think it is, honestly. At some point when I was a child, my dad would have taken me to go get the tires changed. It's not really a thing that moms like to do. Maybe there's some moms out there who like to do it, but most of the time when I go into Les Schwab, I see a bunch of other guys hanging out, waiting for their cars. Because it's busy work. Moms have better things to do. They don't want to go just sit around and watch Sports Center. They want to do other things. But for dads, specifically for dads, uh, this is a two-hour break, sometimes three, uh, just chilling out, hanging out, eating free popcorn, and you get to smell tires, which is great. I don't know why, but it is a great smell. It's probably not super healthy for you, but it's a great smell. And you get to sit there, have conversations with folks, get to know your neighbors a little bit, watch some sports center, watch some, watch some whatever they're watching. It's usually college football or something like that. Because most people are going on Saturday mornings to get these tire changed. So it's always been college football every time I go. And it's just like a three-hour break from your busy, hectic life with kids. So my dad used to bring me when I was a kid. And I remember sitting in there. And this is long before the days of cell phones and video games and all that kind of stuff that kids carry with them everywhere they go now. All I had to entertain me was like old road and track or whatever they were, uh, old, old car magazines popcorn and my dad and we'd just watch sports and it was great. It was a great experience. So I love Les Schwab. Now, I don't know if the other places have the same experience. They probably have some version of it. I don't think Costco does because every time I go into Costco, it looks like they just want you to walk around their shop and shop at Costco, which also makes sense. Also a lot of fun. I love Costco too. But there's a lot of places where you can get tires. And generally, I trust people to know what's best for them. That's the kind of person that I like. I like people who know what's good for them. And I think that you could choose what tires are good for you. But lawmakers in our state apparently disagree. And they think that you're too irresponsible to choose your own tires. And they don't think that you care about the environment because you keep choosing tires that are good for your four-wheel drive vehicles or that are good for your truck. Now, again, we need bigger tires for people who drive trucks like myself or four-wheel drive vehicles, because that's what those vehicles require. Also, tires that don't have a lot of tread, they wear out really fast. So you end up buying replacement tires way too soon. No, thank you. I don't like it. All right, so listen to this. This is really interesting, too. So this was, again, this was kind of like snuck in last minute into this new Senate bill that they would have the right to uh, choose which kind of tires that you can use. But that's not all that got into this bill. Listen, to, this is from Chris's article. And great article, Chris uh, Sullivan. Nicely done. Also magically stuffed into Leas's EV bill during executive session, language that would ban commercial vehicles from idling. Beginning January 2nd, 2025, any person who owns, operates, or causes to operate any diesel-fueled commercial motor vehicle 
must not idle for five consecutive minutes at any location. So for those of you who've never driven on a highway, that's like every single truck out there (laughs) that ships all of the goods and services all around the country, like everywhere. Uh, Listen to this. He says in this, or this, uh, this bill says in here, going further, those who own trucks with diesel fueled auxiliary power systems would not be able to idle for more than five minutes within 100 feet of restricted areas. Those restricted areas include individual or multifamily housing units, schools, hotels, motels, hospitals, senior care facilities, and child care facilities. Do you know what the fine will be for idling if you're in one of these trucks? So like everybody who ships your groceries uh, across the country, people who ship groceries, just every single thing in the world seems to be shipped on an 18-wheeler. And have you ever seen these trucks at night at a truck stop? Do you know what they don't do? They don't turn them off in a lot of cases. They idle so they can keep their heat on and they can take a little nap. All the different things they're doing in there. But like the engines idle. That's just what they do. So here's the fine for idling for more than five minutes. The fines for idling would run between $300 and $1,000 per day. And any police officer would be able to issue the fines. So the bill is now up for full Senate consideration. Nobody got to even talk about these things. No no public comment, no nothing. They're just in there for Senate consideration. I I'm not, <laughs> That's crazy to me. A $1,000 fine for an idling big rig? No thanks. Also, you're not able to choose which kind of tires you want? No thanks. Tracy Norberg, she's with the U.S. Tire Manufacturers Association. She was asked about this, and she said, listen... There's a big problem with taking away tires that have a lot of tread. You're going to be left with tires that have no tread. So imagine you're driving on the freeway. It's late. It's dark. It's raining like cats and dogs because that's what it does out here. And you're driving these new government-approved, climate-friendly tires that have no tread on them. And you hit a patch of water. Just hydroplaning everywhere. How happy are you going to be at that point that uh, that the uh, folks, the, the lawmakers there in Olympia decided to take away your tire options? I don't like it. No, thanks. Let's move on. We don't need any of that. Just give us our tires. Let us have the tires we want. That's what we want. All right. Let's move on. This was kind of unbelievable. I actually saw this story. I couldn't believe this, um, which I know I said twice now. And this has to do with radio. So I actually think this is really fascinating. You'll like this. There is this, this was an NBC story and uh, they got it from, all right, so NBC story. Alabama radio station in disbelief after a 200 foot radio tower stolen overnight. A radio station in Alabama was forced to go silent after thieves stole its 200 foot radio tower and other equipment from a building. The station, WJLX, sent a landscaping crew to the site Friday morning. This is from an NBC article detailing this. Uh, Friday morning for some spring cleaning, only to find that the 200-foot radio tower was gone. When a crew member called the station's general manager to break the news, this manager, obviously, he was in disbelief. He says, what do you mean the tower's gone? Are you sure you're in the right place? I actually use more colorful words than that. Brett Elmore recounted to NBC News. He said, there's wires all over the ground and the tower is gone. So 
yeah, it actually was gone. Not only was the radio tower gone, but a nearby building was also vandalized. When Elmore, that's the uh, radio station manager, when he heard that the door was left ajar, that's when reality was starting to set in, that something bad had happened, he said. The thieves stole every piece of equipment from the building, including a transmitter. Elmore has filed a police report, which is a good idea. Uh, There was a meeting yesterday between the owner and our investigators concerning the matter. Jasper Mayor David O'Mary told NBC News, at this point, we are still lacking information that we have to conduct, uh, that we have, that we have to conduct a full-fledged investigation. WJLX notified the FCC, uh, we know that as the Federal Communications Commission, that its AM station was silent. The station was hoping to continue broadcasting its program through FM radio. In the meantime, we requested a temporary authority to keep the FM translator on until we get the AM back on the air, Elmore said. But unfortunately, this morning, I was notified that the FCC denied our request to stay on the air on the FM side. So, actually, we're about to go down. We're about to power down the transmitter. But they hope to be back soon. So, stay tuned to WJLX. How insane is that, that they just lost a transmitter? Somebody just came in and took it, and now it's gone. Nuts. I can't believe that. That's crazy. All right. Uh, I wanted to play you guys some of these clips. We do some really fun stuff on the show, and we don't always get a chance for you guys to hear it all. So this was really great. We talked about this in uh, um, me and Lisa and Matt were having a conversation about DNA testing, like DNA home testing. You guys know this? DNA home tests like 23andMe, things like that. And so I asked Lisa, I said, would you ever do this? Would you ever get home tested? She was adamant. Actually, uh, we talked to Matt about it too. Uh, so Matt said he would. Lisa said she wouldn't. And Lisa's explanation of why she wouldn't is kind of funny. I wanted to share it with you. Here you go. Have you guys done Have you guys done any of these 23andMe tests? People, I, Matt, have you I done have. one of these? Yeah, yeah. I've Were done. you surprised by the results? Not really. I'm no cooler than I was before. I'm still just Scotch-Irish. Scotch Irish, pretty much fifty fifty. Did you find though that like I, how do these work? Did they, did you find that they have? Uh, did they give you like the history of your family so a you can go back bit. and like, see you like you can your family? see like through the the maps? Like there's an, a map in the app where you can see kind of how your family's lineage, oh, like a family tree through the 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 map of the world. Oh, cool. Kind of through the through the years, which yeah. is really cool. There's a little Welsh in there too. So you know. there you go, a little Welsh. Lisa, have you done one of these before? No, and will not. Now tell me why you seem very uh, yeah. strident about not wanting to. I am, to do and one by this. the way, there was recently a hack where the you know the twenty three and Me was was hacked, and they are taking data. And I don't know, I, I yeah. just a little bit paranoid about it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like the idea that law enforcement also can use this information to track down. You're worried about law enforcement? No, get your not DNA? personal, not personally, but huh. remember they can go through your your family huh, tree. Everyone. Oh, everyone! Come on, Lisa's a little <laughs> bit worried I about just, some cop. No. Get her DNA. No, I just don't want anyone. That's mine. They're going to pin a crime on you. No. That you didn't commit. No. A cold case. No. 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 Is that why you're scared? No. Is there something in your past that you're not wanting to? uh, You're cautious. I'm just cautious. It is. I I will say it is. I do find it strange that people are just sending samples of their DNA to a private company, which then gets to hold on to it. I don't know what they're doing with this DNA. Well, there are, you know, they have been sold. They can be turned over to law enforcement and other agencies. Yeah. I I, I just, the whole thing still makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable too. I think I totally agree with you. It makes me uncomfortable too. You haven't done it? No, and I got one as a gift. Somebody gave me one one Christmas, like like two two years ago, sitting on my desk at home. I still haven't, I still haven't done it. Because I just, the idea of me, 
Also, I'm uncomfortable sending a, because you have to, how it works, basically, if I understand this correctly, is you have to, um, you do a. Swap your cheek, right? Oh, is that what you do? Yeah, I think so. I thought you sent a no. a, a fecal thing in no, the mail. No, no, that's no, a home, no, that's home colonoscopy. <laughs> I was under. I no, did no, not know why they no. wanted it's a box mouth. of my it's uh, stuff. It's not. Did they want your poop? No. Oh, because there, there are home colonoscopy kits. That well, you they can could get. probably get my DNA in that as well. Absolutely. I mean, I just I don't know. I just found it awkward okay. to send that i just thought it was no, weird that's not how that works different cheek did you did they swab your cheek uh yeah it's it's oral so it's saliva based okay. it's to get the dna from that so you don't do that in the box no. unless you're doing a home okay. call well, right. i feel a little bit better about it <laughs> well that was your only hold up maybe i will do it yeah there you go i just couldn't understand why they'd want it it's okay yeah, that happened on the show the other day, and I was I was very confused. So Lisa and Matt, they set me straight. And, you know, I might do it now, now that I know I don't have to go to the bathroom in a box and send it to a stranger, which seems really weird to me that anybody would want that. I don't understand it. All right, the other thing we talked about was time of death. Would you want to know if somebody came to you right now and said, hey, I have a crystal ball. I can tell you what the future holds for you. I can tell you exactly the day and time of your death. Would you want to know? Or are you happier... Living in ignorance. I asked this very question to Lisa. Matt, would you want to know if you knew how many, like, how many days you have left? Absolutely not. No, you want to no. know. Lisa, how about you? Wow, that's so, this is so deep. We're man. doing a lot of deep stuff. Yeah. Going yeah. to the bathroom in a box, talking about uh, end of life. <laughs> I mean, churches. churches. I'll just go to the deepest place where my twin sister died. I, I mean, I thought about it an awful lot all the time and thought I want to know. And, and now I don't know. I don't know what I would say. What's interesting to me is like we all have this, and we're probably going to run out of time here, but we do all have this capacity to understand that life ends. It does for all of us, mm -hmm. every one of us within the sound of my voice, all of us in the room here. At some point, we will die. That's something we know. It's a, it's an absolute fact of life is death. And yet still, it's tough for us to wrap our brains around the idea of not being here. We still like push it out of our minds and we go, oh, well, this just doesn't, even, even when we've lost people, like I've lost people in my life too. And I still am always, anytime somebody passes away, you enter this like shocked yeah. phase where yeah. you just like cannot believe that somebody's grief. passed away. Yeah. It's grief. Here's something really good though. Yeah. We are talking on FM radio. FM radio goes, leaves the planet. And who knows where it goes? Who knows where it goes? It goes out forever. Forever. Is that true? It really yeah. is going to go forever? Yeah, absolutely. So somebody... Oh gosh, so in a thousand you know, years, somebody's going to be here this on the other side of the planet? Five million light years away could have just figured out how to build an FM radio receiver and tune it to 97.3 FM. That's amazing. And they could be hearing us right now. Like a, th like a million years from now? Yep. Well, make sure you tune in tomorrow because we got a great show a million years from now. <laughs> I want our ratings to stay up. We got good ratings here Eternally in the year 2024. Yes. That's interesting. It's like the start of that movie, Contact. You know, yes. where like it backs away from the earth and exactly. it's just like that radio signal goes out and out and out yes. and out. And as the farther it goes out, it's traveling back in time by radio signal. Yep. Very interesting. Yeah, cool stuff. All right, we got a ton more coming up on the show, including next, I'm going to talk to our very own Steve Coogan, everybody's favorite from the uh, My Northwest team. He's going to tell us what you guys are clicking on most. There's some actually really interesting stories that we're going to get into. The top three stories, the most clicked on stories in the whole region in My Northwest on MyNorthwest.com. So you're going to get that coming up here next on Cairo Nice.
listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Hope you guys are having a wonderful night. We like to do this thing on the show where we like to check in with My Northwest. That is the website where we can put all of the fun stuff that we talk about on the show. I also get a ton of great information on that website. So a lot of the topics that we discuss here on Cairo Nights comes right from, I'm literally ripping them from the headlines of MyNorthwest.com. And with me right now, as always, whenever we do one of these segments, is the lead editor at My Northwest. That is Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me back on, Jake. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So basically, you go in there and you crunch your magic numbers and you look at what everybody is actually clicking on. Not just the stuff that we're trying to shove down their throats. You're actually finding out what people find themselves and click on the website. Yeah, no, absolutely. We we I spent a lot of we spent a lot of time. They call it the analytics. Great. You know, we That's spend a lot a, yeah. of time, uh, you know, checking out the numbers and seeing what people are clicking on. And you know, we don't. I wouldn't necessarily say it drives all of our programming decisions, but we definitely pay attention to what you guys are reading. Sure. So, all right. Big so, time. why don't we go three, two, one, as per usual? And uh, why don't we start with number three? What's the okay. third most popular clicked on story okay. on uh, MyNorthwest.com? Thank you. Headline number three. Not exactly the happiest headline, but we're going to go with it. Missing 14-year-old Washington girl fund unharmed in Michigan. So this was a crazy story. Can you tell me a little bit about this? So essentially, uh, there was a, a girl in Mount Vernon. Uh, she went missing uh, about about a month uh, previous to when she was found. Yeah. And uh, we said we're at this point now that she's been found. We're not we're not releasing her name, but good, uh, good. so that so we're we're at that point. But essentially, yeah, it's uh, so she she went missing. It, it we don't know all of the details just yet, but it appears that she was uh, lured by you know some sort of uh, it was some sort of online relationship that she you was know, you know she was in. So she was lured, and uh, she ended up going off with this uh, with this uh, you know essentially this perpetrator and. Uh, so she, and then she was just, she was just gone. She was missing, missing for for weeks, and then she was found. Basically, you know, she because of uh, a ride sharing app, she was actually found. Uh, she was kind of traced to uh, a town in Michigan, of all places. So she and then she was found. She was with the person who they I think they believe was the one lured who was communicating her. with her and yeah. who lured her. And uh, like I said, she was uh, she was found unharmed and she was been able she was able to re- she was Thank returned to her, to her. I mean, yeah, because I'll think you hear there's a lot of situations where, where stories like this end so awfully and so tragically. So it was, you know, I think a lot of people saw the headline and really wanted responded to this one and just wanted to kind of check it out and see see what was going on, see what happened and, and all that and, and all that. You know, uh, all that stuff. it's really it's really amazing to me. These these stories I feel like we see these stories all the time. Like all, like when I saw that this girl was missing, because you know we see these bulletins pass by our yes. desks and things like that. Absolutely. And when you see that a fourteen-year-old local girl is missing, immediately my head went to, oh, okay, well I'm wondering if this is a this is a online situation. Yes. Where they have met somebody online, they have been communicating, and they fall in love with somebody or whatever they think is happening. That's right. They are lured somewhere else, and then they, you know. In this case, thank God they were able to use phone triangulation yes. and rideshare stuff. Mm-hmm. I am so, I mean, like, I'm not a huge proponent of cell phones for kids, but I do like that they do help you keep track of the ones that you love. Yes. Like, I have a Find My iPhone app. I also have a, you know, you have like connected to the people in your life. So I can go and see 
where my wife is at and she can do the same for me. Like, so I, I know if she's in the car going somewhere, I can be like, oh, okay, did she get to her destination safely? Yes. And I, I you know, if she's not answering her phone and I feel like she, maybe she's in trouble, I can tell you exactly where she is. That's and I right. And show up and, you know. That's, that's a good point. That's something that I, have, I haven't utilized yet, but, you know, it may get to the point where I want to feel that same safety, especially since now they've got young kids and, and my yes. wife may be out with the young kids and yeah. I want to make sure that she's gotten to where she needs to go and, and she's going to want to know that I got to where I needed to go as well. You yeah. Know? So yeah. So that's, thank uh, God this girl point. was found safe. And, uh, you know, did, did they, did the article say whether or not they arrested the guy who yes, was luring he was, her? Yes. He's been arrested. So Good. they tracked her first and that since they were able to track her, they were then able to find him at the, at the residence where they were, uh, you know, where they were staying at the time. And he of course was way older than her. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I believe he was, if, if he was 29, it might be 29 or in his early thirties, something yeah, like that. Double yeah, so, her age. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's completely inappropriate. Totally creepy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, Great ending to a very scary story. Yes, All right, absolutely. Let's get to uh, the number two most clicked on story. Number and this is a sports one. Am I right? You are correct. We are going to be talking about uh, headline number two, which is the latest on the Seahawks reported offensive coordinator candidates. Uh, okay. Tell me about this one. Cause there's some names that we actually recognize. So right? what's very interesting is that, uh, the, the latest candidate to have interviewed for this position, according to reports is, uh, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly. Yes. So, uh, the formerly former of the Eagles, right? Formerly of the Eagles and he, and, uh, formerly of the university of Oregon as well. Yeah. So he uh, had some really great years there. You know, his team scored a lot of points before he ended up heading back to the, uh, head heading to the NFL. And then as we, you know, a lot of people here are probably happy to see he, he failed miserably, you know, after he went to Philadelphia. So he's now currently the uh, the head coach at UCLA, and he's been doing that for a few years now. And um, like I said, for some reason, he it appears he wants to get back to the NFL. So he has flown up here and he's interviewed for the job. Can you tell me your sense of, you know, and obviously the new head coach of the Seahawks is Mike McDonald. He was the, def- is right, that's Mike McDonald. That's correct. He was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore uh, Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, that's who are... Right fantastic just a fantastic football team yes they and, uh, they didn't they came up just a little bit short in in, in the playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs yeah, who were playing so in the Super good. Bowl but, but so overall good. they had an, a fantastic year and especially on defense they led the league in, in several key categories and they they walloped a lot of teams that they played unfortunately including the Seahawks yeah yeah big time <laughs> including the Seahawks uh so he's the guy who's kind of setting the tone this would be pretty exciting. I mean, like, are you getting a sense from people online? Are you getting a sense from readers? Are they happy with this Chip Kelly possibility? Or do they feel like they don't like Chip Kelly and so they don't want to see him I, anywhere near the I'm Seahawks? I'm probably seeing a little bit more of the I don't want Chip Kelly around as opposed to, I mean, now if you were to ask some of the folks over at Seattle Sports, they, they're kind of, they think there's definitely some interest over there. Well, obviously you know? Chip Kelly, though, knows how to win. Right, and that he knows how to score points. Exactly, that's the thing about it is that he, uh, when he had the, you know the top notch players at, at the University of Oregon, he like I said those. I mean, they were routinely scoring forty and fifty, maybe even sixty points a game. Yeah. So yeah, he knows he knows what he's doing when it comes to you know putting teams together to score points. So uh, that's uh, that's certainly uh, that's, a, that's certainly something going on. Really care about all they care about is winning. So if the Seahawks can figure out a win, yes. if it's with Chip Kelly, they're going to be excited. Right, about fans it. would rather win six three than lose forty five forty two. Absolutely, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's going to be like that now and forever. Absolutely. Um, are, so just tell me real fast because earlier we had talked. About, is there is there another sports story? The number one story? That's correct. We have another sports story. Okay. All right. I was just going to tease that. I was going to say I wanted to talk about that one too, but I'm glad it's number one. So this was a heavy sports week. People were really into sports this week. 
Yeah, that's we get we the sports stories do very well with us. They uh, they this there's a lot, especially when when things are happening. You know, like I said, where everything that happened is with Kalen DeBoer, everything that happened with Pete Carroll, and then the hiring of Mike McDonald. Just a ton of interest. Uh, lots of people just just eating up that content. Yeah, yeah. So it's lots, I, lots uh, of good stuff. I had Dave Wyman on my show a couple of days ago. I like to get. I mean, Dave's one of my good friends, and so anytime I can get him after his show, because FOJ friend of Jake. Yes, he's and so Dave's show, uh, the Wyman and Bob show finishes at six o'clock and so sometimes he's gracious enough to hang out and yeah. he'll like come and you know we'll have some coffee and then uh he'll come on the show so he came on the show and we were talking sports and we had intended to talk about seattle sports sure. coaching all the different teams huskies all that stuff what we ended up talking about was just that story about a p- player who was possibly bitten in Las Vegas by the oh, county. Yeah, I heard that. I you heard that, that segment, yes. And then we somehow got onto the conversation about rabies, and Dave was telling me how he had actually had to have a rabies shot when he was a kid, or he, he was told about rabies shots when he was a kid, and he was nervous because... Um, uh, you know, because of the coyote discussion. Yes. Back in the day to get a rabies shot, this is a total side note, but I found this interesting. Back in the day to get a rabies shot, they have since updated it, but you had to get a, a, a huge needle shot into your stomach for 14 days in a row to like kill <laughs> whatever this rate, because rabies is super deadly. If you get yes. rabies, there's no way to solve Like right. if you get it, you die from it. Yeah, it, it can. Thankfully, it can. it's mostly eradicated in the United States. Right. Uh, we only have like between one and two deaths from rabies per year. Our very own Lisa Brooks on the show, mm-hmm. she actually had to get the rabies vaccine oh, a couple of years ago because she went to Thailand. And while she was in Thailand, she got bit by a pack of wild dogs. Oh, my goodness. As you would assume happens Holy when smokes. you're in Thailand. Well, yes. And so she, <laughs> has to get, she got one rabies shot there, and mm-hmm. then she had to get the remainder two shots because I guess it's just like a, it's just a three-shot thing now because okay. the uh, technology is come a long way yeah. since it was originally thank you and modern medicine yes yeah, so now she's uh, she but she's fine obviously she sure. she pulled through and she yes. didn't have rabies um so yeah rabies was a big topic of discussion with me and dave but what is the number one most yeah, talked i'm about sorry story? but rabies won't be a t- big topic for us that's good we've covered it enough <laughs> you're right oh this one is a this one is a good one i like this one uh the uh the number one headline will be how will a belichick and a carol on the same uw husky staff work this is so crazy. This yeah. is just one of those things, like the confluence of events that yeah. led to two of the most famous coaches and the two old, the, the, like the two grandpas yeah, right. from the NFL last year competing against each other. Belichick, longtime coach, most second most successful coach as far as wins go That's right. in the history of the NFL, Yes, has won, what, six Super Bowls with the Patriots? Yep, just like two more with the New York Giants as well, a, yep. Yeah, eight Super Bowls, an amazing success. Then you have Pete Carroll, who is a... Fantastic coach, super successful collegiately, super successful with the Seahawks. Yep. The two of these guys are kind of ousted in the same season because both teams are moving in a different direction now. Mm -hmm. Both of their sons, who were part of their staffs, Pete Carroll's son was coaching with him on the Seahawks. Belichick's son was coaching with him for like 12 seasons with the Patriots. That's right. And now both of their sons are now coaching on the. Huskies They're on the hockey Husky stuff. That's right. So that's yeah. That's right. You've, you've you've got you've got the story there. So Steve Belichick has been with his dad in New England. Bill Bel- oh yeah, uh, Bill yeah, Belichick. Yeah, Steve Belichick, yeah, Steve right. Belichick has been with uh, with been with Bill uh, for the last twelve seasons. 
Uh, he's kind of worked his way up as, you know, I think he's first started as like a kind of a, you know, an in, a coaching intern or whatever. Whatever. He's, and he's, he's a coach. Yeah, right. He gets yes. opportunities. Yeah. Exactly. So he's actually been calling the defensive plays there in New England the last couple of years. He never got the title of defensive coordinator, but that's essentially, you know, one of the primary things he was doing there. Yeah, yeah. And now he's going to be the uh, Washington Huskies defensive coordinator. And like I said, that's been announced and there you go. And then so you've got him on one side and then you've got Pete Carroll's son, Brennan, is going to be the offensive coordinator for the University of uh, Washington so Huskies. So fun. And both of their dads Pretty are these wild. coaching legends. I know. And just, so you're going to have the Huskies. Like, think about yeah. the Huskies players from a recruiting standpoint. Yep. They lose Kalen DeBoer. Yep. He goes to coach... Uh, Alabama. That's right. And then you're left. You know, you get this new guy in from Arizona. I don't remember his name offhand. Jed Fish. Fish? Uh, Jed Jed Fish. Jed I Fish. You yeah, get that's this right. new coach in from. He was from Arizona. He coached in Arizona. Right? That's correct. Yeah. And then, from a recruiting standpoint, all the players are like, "Yeah, you also get to rub shoulders with Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, which cannot be bad." Right. No. These definitely not. Yeah. I, yeah. I bet you. I bet you we'll see Pete, Bill, and Pete at the stadium. Pretty cool. You know, this fall. I yeah. bet you. I bet you they'll make appearances. No that's doubt. That's fun. That's fantastic. It's good right. stuff. Uh, well, thank you so much. That's Steve Coogan. He's the lead editor at My Northwest, and uh, this is what you guys are clicking on. So, thank you guys for clicking on all these stories. Keep clicking and keep listening. Steve, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it as always, Jake. Thank you. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back here on Cobra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to the show. All right. I like to save the best for last, and I want to play you guys this audio because it's the 60th anniversary of Beatlemania. You guys might not know this, and I didn't certainly didn't know this, but when the Beatles came to America back in February 9th, 1964, they were not well-received. Most young people seem to have uh, a great appreciation for them, but all the old folks, especially the ones at Newsweek, listen to this. Newsweek wrote an article about the Beatles right after their performance on the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, I don't think they got it. They said, visually, they are a nightmare. Tight, dandified, Edwardian beatnik suits and great pudding bowls of hair. Musically, they are a near disaster. Guitars and drums slamming on them. A merciless beat that does away with secondary rhythms, harmony, and melody. Their lyrics, punctuated by nutty shouts of yeah, 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 are a catastrophe. A preposterous farrago of Valentine's Day card romantic sentiments. Obviously, they're not fans. Listen how they end it. This is pretty funny. This is Newsweek's prediction of how the Beatles will do in the music business. They get it very wrong. They say, the big question in the music business at the moment is, will the Beatles last? The odds are that in the words of another era, they are too hot not to cool down. And a cool-down Beatle is hard to picture. It is also hard to imagine any other field in which they could apply their talents. And so the odds are that they will fade away, as most adults confidently predict. Well, I think Newsweek got that pretty wrong. So here is what it sounded like when the Beatles performed for the first time in the United States on The Ed Sullivan Show, February 9th, 1964, 60 years ago today. And now, here he is, Ed Sullivan. Thank you very much. You know, something very nice happened, and the Beatles got a great kick out of it. We just received a wire, they did, from Elvis Presley and Colonel Tom Parker, wishing them a tremendous success in our country. I think that was very, very nice. Now, yesterday and today, our theater's been jammed with newspapermen and hundreds of photographers from all over the nation, and these veterans agree with me that the city never has witnessed the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Liverpool who call themselves the Beatles. Now, tonight, you're going to twice be entertained by them. 
right now and again in the second half of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Close your eyes and I'll miss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Remember I'll always be true And then while I'm away I'll write home every day And I'll send all my And then the Beatles changed the world forever with that one performance. Pretty crazy. All right. I hope you guys have had a wonderful night. We've had a blast bringing you the show. I hope you have just the best weekend. Sincerely. Go have a great weekend. Come back here on Monday. We're going to have a ton of fun next week. You're not going to want to miss it. All right. I got to get out of here. I got to go to bed. I'm tired. Night, night. All my love Oh, my love, darling, I'll be true.